Welcome back, besties. <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, I am the honorary bestie. My name is Emily, and I work with Casey and Kelsey here at Mindsight and in our consulting firm. Last week, you got to hear a little bit of my thoughts on In Search of You, Casey's new book. So this week, I get to kind of flip that on its head and interview Yay. Kelsey. <laughs> hey, besties. You can tell she's really looking forward to it. I told Emily before we started to record this, if I say something bad, we're going to have to have them edit it out. <laughs> Just no kidding. edits, no take backs. <laughs> Got it. It's not live, but we're going to act like it is. There we go. Okay, I'm ready. Hi, I'm Casey, and right here beside me is Kelsey. We are licensed professional counselors, mothers, entrepreneurs, oh, and besties. We know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think, how in the heck did I wind up here? Through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can have real lasting joy. Join us every Thursday to hear fun and insightful interviews with experts who can point you toward self-discovery and fulfillment. I will start you off with a a little, little softball. Tell me. Kelsey, since you've read the book, it's almost as many times, I think, as, as Casey and I have. What was your favorite part? Oh, my favorite part? Well, I have two. I think I have two. So we talked about this previously on the podcast, but the time where Casey was sitting on the couch typing her book and she's like, can you come here and let me read this to you? I'm like, sure. So she reads it and I was like, oh, that's about so-and-so. And she was like, no, that's about my first husband. And I'm like, oh, okay. I said, but there's a lot of similarities here. And she's like, oh my gosh, I've married a clone. (laughs) And we actually track that back all the way to like her attachment to her father figures in her life and different things like that. So that was really cool. And like a a milestone that I think made the book kind of come full circle. Mm -hmm. But my favorite is probably her therapy sessions about breadcrumbs. Oh, yeah, that was that's something I use when I talk to some of my clients and just some of the things that she learned is that and I forget the full story. I forget what the problem was. But basically, she's like her therapist was telling her you didn't get like the whole loaf of bread. Somebody was just giving you breadcrumbs and you were accepting the breadcrumbs. And I'm like, whoa, like you don't you don't deserve breadcrumbs. And there's been points in my life where I could reflect on that and see how impactful this book is going to be because I can resonate with that. I can resonate with times where I was just accepting breadcrumbs, not the full loaf. Yeah. So those are probably my two favorite. I haven't read the the end yet because I'm not allowed. So (laughs) that could be one of the favorites as well. Awesome. So I definitely, I think, want to circle back to breadcrumbs. But before we do that, can you talk a little bit about clones and how they kind of reappear in your life if you don't deal with stuff? Yeah, I think little traumas. For any of you that don't know, I work primarily with people who have PTSD. So this is kind of my jam and something I love. I think little traumas, how we attach to our parental figures in our childhood, big traumas even, they all create patterns in our lives. And if we don't have self-awareness around it, we're just like, we put a blindfold on and we just go through life and make the same decisions, possibly the same mistakes over and over and over, and we have no idea. And so then we wake up 10 years later and realize that we have been in a relationship with three different people that are exactly the same. And so 
I think it takes a little bit of therapy and a lot of self-awareness to get to that point because I don't think it comes naturally. And some of it is repressed memory. So a lot of Casey's book, her memories weren't coming to her until we were prompting her and talking to her about things. And we would start saying, well, hmm, I wonder why that is. And then she would go off on a tangent and be like, okay, this makes so much sense. So marrying a clone is is not unusual, especially you might get out of a marriage and think, ha, huh, I got this. But typically, if you haven't done the work, you're probably going to marry the same person over, just compensated in a different way. And I think that kind of like leads back into the idea of accepting those breadcrumbs, right? Because if that's something that's kind of like ingrained in you from Mm -hmm. an early age, as you grow up, that's all you're ever going to expect. Yep. And I think that we see that in Casey's story. And I think sometimes we accept things. Let's say we're with somebody who doesn't do acts of service, right? And then the next person we find is not that great of a person, but, you know, they provide some acts of service. That's breadcrumbs. Your standards are very low, so you need to, like, set the bar a little bit higher the next time. And we don't always know that getting into that because we go to what comforts us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those breadcrumbs are what provide us comfort. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the biggest change that you've noticed in Casey throughout this journey. Mm. I'm going to be sweet here. Since knowing Casey, I always knew she had, like, a soft spot. It just wasn't easily found. And... I will always remember the time I asked her, like, do you think it's okay to see a therapist? And she was my boss. Like, we we just were friends. She's like, yeah. And I could tell, like, her wheels were spinning. And she wanted to say something, but she couldn't find the words to say it. But I don't know. I just have seen, like, little tiny glimpses in our friendship where she wanted to be soft but didn't feel like she could be vulnerable enough to be soft. And so as as time has went on, I've seen her... I don't know, soften to her mom even. Like, that's been a big thing. Like, be more accepting of her mom's mental health. And then as well as just, like, reaching out when she can reach out and doing things when she can do them. As a parent, I think she notices some things. (laughs) Pajamas. Yeah. I came in and her youngest, they wore clothes to bed. And I'm used to, like, my kids, my, my little kid, she wears pajamas. Not a big deal. I don't care if your kids sleep in their underwear for all I care. But what was interesting is that Casey, after we talked about it a little bit more and she was like buying pajamas for her kids and stuff, she realized that from a Christmas after her granny or her grandpa died, they never bought pajamas. She never liked pajamas again because they would always provide those on Christmas Eve, I think it was. And I could be wrong about this story, but. Just how those things came to light and I could see them coming full circle. And now she's like, yep, go get your pajamas on. And so those are just like little joys that I see her just, you know, they might not amount to anyone else, but they do to me because I get to see her like at times where she would be like, why? And now she's like, okay, I understand that was just a trauma response and I just need to lean into that. I don't know, just watching her become softer, like you said in the previous podcast and really Thinking, like when something happens, really thinking full circle of like the impact that she's going to have on her employees or her kids or her mom, just people in her life and how she can get closer to them. Yeah. Not a good answer? (laughs) That's a good answer. It was so good an answer, in fact, that now I'm going to flip it on you. Oh, gosh. So like as you've watched Casey take this journey, what's been the most transformative thing that you've noticed in your own life? Like as you've watched that and responded to it? 
That is a good question, Emily. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know that this has to do with her book, but it is about the same wavelength, like things that I've learned from Casey being in my life in this influential time of her writing the book. One, that it's okay to fight. Like conflict is okay. Um, it's just how you fight, more or less. And all conflict doesn't equal fight, so I shouldn't use the word fight. But more or less that bad things happen to us. And I've always been the person that says, it's fine. I'm fine. I learned from it. Everything's fine. And from there, I think she's taught me that it's not fine. Yeah, you have accepted it, but you're still like ruminating in patterns and you're still doing things. So really me working on my avoidance, because I think I had a lot of awareness around my big T's and little T's. But I wasn't using them to my fullest, where Casey didn't really know a lot of her big T's and little T's. I had awareness. I just was avoidant of them. And so she's really taught me how to incorporate that in and really think bigger picture. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of like personality styles, too. Like, I feel like she's very, like, kind of assertive of herself and her needs. I think, like, tends to be that a little bit more than, like, you're like, no, it's fine. I'll just go along. Yeah, it's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) And which is weird because I tell all my clients that it's fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. It's kind of a trauma response. Mm -hmm. Like, is it really fine? (laughs) So if I would use my own advice, maybe it would get somewhere. But also, I've done my own work since Casey's book. That was something I think we both had agreed upon when she started seeing her personal therapist in her book. I started seeing seeing mine as well. So it was kind of motivating for both of us to get therapy and, I don't know, work on some things that we've never worked on before. Yeah. I think she was talking about that in a certain section of, of the book. And I hope this section actually made it in, so I'm not a liar, <laughs> <laughs> about how like you guys would meet individually with your therapist and then come back and kind of discuss it. Yes. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious, as a in a relationship, like would, is that something that you would recommend? Was it helpful for you? I do recommend it. Honestly, if you're at a place where your relationship is healthy and you're just looking to connect on a deeper level, You know, now, if you really need, like, couples counseling, I suggest going to a couples counselor and working on things together. But I think individual therapy and, like, coming in – I mean, Casey would have her therapy on – I would have mine on a Monday. She would have hers on a Thursday. And every single time we were done, we would have an hour to, like, talk about whatever we talked about. And that's not to say that you have to go tell your partner everything you talk about in therapy, but, like, the big big things that you're – like, the epiphanies that you're coming up with in therapy – definitely affect your relationship more than you realize. So, yeah, I think it would be beneficial if if you're interested in that and kind of having that like talk with your partner once a week about what therapy bring up for you this week and what did therapy bring up for you this week. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm going to give you another opportunity to be sweet. Okay. <laughs> One more. In the book, uh we got to see a little bit about how Casey first started noticing you and like from her perspective, a little bit of a love story. So I would love to hear it from from Muren. Like, tell us when it became more for you. Ooh, that's a good question. I think little by little, it became more for me. And I just kind of blinked and there it was. <laughs> but I will tell you that I had a hard time making eye contact with her. And I am a therapist, so making eye contact should not be that difficult. 
she was really intimidating. So I, I, I did have like a standoffish point and I would be very shy. And for those of you who know me that are listening to this, you all know that I'm not shy. But I think the moment that it, it shifted was probably when I cried. Honestly, we were sitting in her office and I just was super vulnerable and I was talking about love and it wasn't anything to do with her. I was talking about my personal issues that I was having and I was just talking about, you know, I think this is a very big conversation, but I'll just go with it. (laughs) Are you tired of running to the lobby to see if your next appointment has arrived? Would you like a more discreet, stress-free way for your clients to check in? Take a deep breath. The Receptionist for iPad empowers your practice to create a zen-like check-in experience. This episode is sponsored by The Receptionist for iPad. It's the highest-rated digital check-in software for therapy and behavioral health offices used by thousands of practitioners across the country. The Receptionist for iPad is a simple, inexpensive way to allow your clients to discreetly check in, to notify providers of a patient's arrival, and to ensure your front lobby is stress-free. The software sends an immediate notification to the therapist when a client checks in and can even ask if any patient information has changed since their last visit. Start a 14-day free trial of The Receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash besties. And when you do, you'll also get your first month free when you sign up. You know, I think I always had a big picture of love and like this hopeless romantic type part of me. And then, you know, I become 18 and I have like real life relationships and little by little, it's like the light dimmed and I didn't feel as passionate about love anymore. I was like, okay, this is just very situational. Loving somebody and being in love with somebody is two different things. Or maybe it's the same thing. You know, as I got older, I was like, okay, maybe that's all the same. But I had that conversation with her and she asked me a question and I just started crying. I didn't even answer. And I'm not a big crier, but I did cry. And I left the room and I was like, what the hell just happened to me? (laughs) Like, where did that come from? Don't understand. I was very conflicted at that point. And from then on, I think it was like about two months. I was super conflicted until eventually we just kind of had a conversation where both of us was like, do we have feelings for each other? (laughs) And then it kind of all was from there. But I think the big switching point was that conversation where I cried and I was vulnerable and she was vulnerable as well. And, you know, I knew she was soft, but to see it and for her to get teary eyed when I got teary eyed, Casey doesn't do that very often. So that was like a big, what's going on here? (laughs) There's something you need to tell me. It's interesting. I should have Casey tell that story on the podcast to see what she has to say about it. <laughs> you should. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I think that kind of comes back around to like those breadcrumbs, right? Like mm-hmm. this, this feeling like love is maybe whatever is kind of maybe you just had breadcrumbs. Yeah, you get breadcrumbs and then you think that that's what you deserve. And then you create the narrative like Casey talked about in her book of something That might not even be true. Nobody probably even said that. You just are taking little trauma upon little trauma and creating a narrative for yourself. Without speaking that out loud and speaking it to existence, I don't think I would have worked on it as much as I have in the past three years. Something else that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast, but like love languages. That's something Casey really like focused on. Not so much in the context of her book, but on the back end. And I think it's interesting to know what love language you were given as a child 
and what love language you prefer now. So for her, it's acts of service. And she she created that all the way back to her childhood. And it's still something she appreciates. But I do kind of withhold that a little bit. I'm like, I'll give you words of affirmation today. Just because, you know, I think we do try to go what's comforting to us. And I think we should all have a partner that has a little bit of every love language. Hmm. But that could be a conversation for a different day. <laughs> okay, we can hold on to that one. Yeah. Save it for later. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Any other questions, Emily? Ooh. Hmm. Trying to like really stump you here. Let me... oh, okay. <laughs> I've been very sweet. <laughs> You've done enough. Casey will be proud. Well, I will let Kelsey off the hook. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> Thanks, besties. All right, besties, we'll talk to you later. Have a good week and see you next time. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast so we can keep making great content. Talk to you later, besties.